Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good evening. Good evening. Um, uh, as you can tell, I'm preaching in faith. My voice is, is not as strong as normal. Uh, so apologies now if I squeak every now and again. But the youth have prayed for me. The youth have prayed, and so I have enough voice to preach. And, um, and I need voice, because I have been given the most amazing chapter in Hebrews. Now, those who've been here over the last few weeks will know that we have been on a journey. We've been on a journey through the book of Hebrews, and we have gone from Hebrews chapter 1, a very good place to start, all the way for the 10 chapters of Hebrews. And all through those 10 chapters, the author is building this picture of Jesus. He's building this picture of just how amazing Jesus is. He begins by talking about the way in which Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than all the prophets, even Moses, who they held in the highest regard. Jesus was not simply the one, like Moses, who gave the word of God. Jesus is the word then Jesus was greater than all the priests that have come before. He is the great high priest who continues to stand on our behalf and prays for us. And Jesus is a better sacrifice. After all the sacrifices that have been made before, the sacrifice that Jesus made of his own being was a sacrifice like no other and meant that no sacrifice of blood is needed anymore. Jesus has enabled, through his death and resurrection, the curtain in the temple to be torn in two, and you and I can enter with confidence into the presence of God. A better glory, a better sacrifice, better all round. And 10 chapters of basically saying, don't forget how amazing Jesus is. And don't forget how wonderful he is. And don't forget what he's done for you. And then we get to chapter 10. And chapter 10 is like this pivotal moment. I love that word, pivotal. It's like this pivotal moment. Because there is then this great therefore If Jesus is all that, you need to persevere. Remember who this letter was being written to. It's being written to a group of Christians who likely are struggling with persecution, likely being struggling and, and facing real danger. Some will have been being put out um, of, of their communities. Others would face the danger of torture. Others would fear for their lives. And the temptation at that moment for those early Christians to think, is this worth it? Is it worth it? And the writer to the Hebrews 
says, persevere. Now, um, remember too, that when the writer, <clears throat> when the writer says, uh, it's not writing to be read in kind of a chapter here or a verse there. This would have been read out as one great long sermon to a group of people. One great long, what a great long sermon. And, um, and in my imagination, the people listening are kind of sitting there. And, um, and I think there might have been a bit of, you know, back and forward, because it's quite a long sermon to listen to in one go. And I can imagine the person sharing the letter, saying, so persevere. And back comes the question, how? How do we persevere? And the answer comes at the end of chapter 10. <clears throat> but by righteous one, but my righteous one will live by faith. By faith. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. And so, in my imagination, they come back and go, okay, by faith. What is faith? I'm glad you asked. Let's go into chapter 11. Because chapter 11 is all about what is this faith? It's the longest chapter in Hebrews. And it's this amazing definition of faith. Because the writer is longing for them to understand how to persevere. And so we begin in verse one with a definition. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, if we read a number of different translations of that verse, the Greek, I, I did some Hebrew with the students on Thursday, so I thought we'd do a bit of Greek tonight. Um, the Greek for that word, certain, has more of a, a, a solidity. It could almost be um, translated substance. There is a substance to our faith. This isn't about blind faith. This isn't about taking a leap of faith into the unknown. No, this is faith that is based on reason. The writer has just taken 10 chapters to give us reasons for our faith, reasons to believe, reasons of why Jesus is who he is. The writer draws on the fact <clears throat> that, there were, that there were witnesses of who Jesus was. You know, too often, we can think, or people can think, that there's a sense in which there's the logical brain over here, and then there's faith over here. And if you really want to dive into having a religion or being a Christian, you have to leave the logical brain over here and dive into faith over here. And that's not, that's not our faith at all. Our faith has reason. We step forward in faith 
confident in the good news of Jesus Christ, a historical figure who lived and died. The author of Hebrews has spent 10 chapters building the case of who Jesus is. We don't shut off our brains when we choose faith. Our faith is reasoned. Our faith is as we study the words of scripture, as we come to understand who it is that calls us to know him. But though Christian faith begins with reason, it can't end there. Faith is also an action. Faith is also an action. It is stepping out in choices and ways of living that say we trust in what is to come. We trust in what is unseen. We believe in the God who has rescued us and will come again. And the choices we make in life are based on that belief. The author of this chapter then goes on to highlight the heroes of faith and none of them, as it were, are commended for their thinking, they're commended for their action, for what they did, for how they lived. And so, we are given this great hall of fame. Now it starts um, at the beginning in Genesis that God spoke and the world came into being. Out of that which was not, God created something and by faith we believe in the God who made all things. And there we go into this hall of fame. Now I wonder, as some of those names were being read out tonight, how many of them did you recognize? How many of them did you think, oh, I love that story. I love that story. And one of the joys, uh, the interns will tell you if they think it's a joy, but one of the joys that I have as intern director is that I get to share the story of the Bible. I get to tell stories from the Old Testament because I believe so strongly that as we get to know these stories, so we come to meet characters that inspire us, characters that we can learn so much from, both in their mistakes as well as in the things they do well. But in all of it, it points us to Jesus. And the more we understand and read and allow those scriptures to go deep in us, it equips us in our journey of faith, in stepping out, in making choices. And so, um, I wonder as we go through these names, as you come across it, you think, I don't know that story. I don't know that story. Well, there's your challenge to go back and look because you'll be pleased to know I am not going to go through all the stories of all these characters tonight. Just let me tell you that it is great. And, and the thing about every single part of this chapter is that each one is being commended for their faith. At which point, I feel like if I had any voice at all, I would sing, because I feel there's a soundtrack. 
I feel like George Michael singing You Gotta Have Faith, which, you know, part of the soundtrack to my teenage years, which, you know, um, gives away my age. Uh, or maybe you were part of the wonderful nativity last year and heard the best cover version of the song Faith ever. Um, that's kind of the soundtrack to this chapter. You've got to have faith. So what do these Hall of Fame? We get to hear of Abel and Enoch and Noah. Noah is an example of someone who God says, build a boat. And there was, there was nothing to make him think that was a sensible idea, actually. It was not raining when he had to start building the boat. But he chose to believe in God's word. And he acted in faith. And through that faith, was saved. And then he speaks of Abraham. And Phil read for a psalm of the story of Abraham. Abraham was amazing because Abraham chose to leave his home, all that was familiar, to set out to a country that he could not yet see. But God said, I have a plan and a purpose. And God promised him that he would be the father of many nations. And Abraham chose to believe, even though he was way past it, and his wife was even more past it. In fact, she is described as basically dead inside. She was so old, there was no way she would have a child. But they chose to believe, and they gave birth to Isaac. He became the father of many nations. He lived by faith. He stepped out and believed in God's ability to bring something out of nothing, life out of death. Now, interestingly, the author chooses to remember the good things about each of these characters. There were moments in each of these characters' lives when, when faith was tough. There were moments when they tried to kind of work a human solution, when they weren't filled with great faith. But each time, God drew them back into his plan and his purpose. The author of Hebrews reminds them in verse 15 that if they had been looking back thinking of another country, they'd have maybe given in and gone back home. If they'd kept looking backwards, going, well, it was familiar and I'm comfortable and I knew what that was. No, they kept looking forward to that which was to come. The author goes on. There's the story of Jacob and Joseph, of Moses and Joshua and Rahab. Yes, a woman makes it into the list. And then he says, I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak, Samson and Japheth, Daniel and Samuel. Then, then it becomes a bit like a quiz because he doesn't tell you the name, he tells you what happened. So he says, there were those who shut the mouths of lions Easy one to start with. Who is that? Daniel. Daniel. Brilliant. Uh, there were 
those who quenched the fury of the flames. Brilliant. Well done, Josh. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked in the flames. Women received back their dead. Any ideas? Yeah, the woman, the widow who fed Elijah, and then her son became ill and died. And Elijah prays, and she receives him back alive. This is this great montage of faith. Now, just pause for a moment. Well, I have some water. Turn to the person next to you. If you had to have a character in that montage of faith, who would you want to make sure was in that list? Who inspires you from the Bible? Is there one character that you're like, I'm really glad they're in the list, or why has he not been chosen? Why has she not been in the list? Turn to the person next to you. This is such a great montage of faith. And I feel like if we could just think of it as a film, and you've got this sweeping soundtrack, and you've got all these characters walking through water, walking through fire, shutting the mouths of lions. But you know, the truth is, this is not the main bit of the film. This is the overture. This is the overture. Because we have this temptation, I think, to think, well, it was all right for them. You know, they saw the Red Sea parted. You're gonna have faith then. They saw the mouths of lions closed. You're gonna have faith then. We have it better. The last verse of chapter 11 explains why. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Yet none of them received what had been promised. They still died waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. God had planned something better. For we live with the knowledge of Jesus. Jesus, who left his throne in heaven and lived amongst us, who died and was raised to new life. And there were witnesses, there were hundreds of witnesses to Jesus alive. And we live with that faith, knowing that that promise was fulfilled that we can enter into the presence of God and know his healing and his restoration. Now, we still too live in an in-between time. For Jesus has not returned again yet, but he will. And like Abraham, as he had to keep his eyes fixed on that which was to come, we fix our eyes on the promise that is still to come of Jesus returning when there will be no more sickness or suffering or pain or dying. All tears will be wiped away. We look with expectation, sure and certain faith 
of the things unseen. Our uh, son is five. Well, he is for one more day, which he will tell you many, many times. One more day, he will be five. And um, in school at the moment, they do this thing where if the answer to a question, or if they've done something really well, it's, is yes, or well done, or certainly, you get a thumbs up. If they've done something wrong, or the answer's not correct, or they're unsure, then they put the thumbs down. But there's also, if they kind of are not sure about something at all and they don't really know, they can go like this. Now, I am finding that that is not very helpful at home because if I ask him to do something and he knows that I want the answer to be this, but he wants to say this, he just goes like this. It's like, mm, which basically tells me, I really don't want to do what you say. The thing about faith is we can't really do that. It's all in. It's all in. We are called to live lives that are all in for Jesus, allowing him to shape the way that we act, the choices that we make. If you had to write your Hall of Fame of heroes of the faith who continue to inspire you, I wonder who else you would put in your Hall of Fame. I want to tell you about one, and with this story, I finish. You see, I would include a man called Brother Andrew, who died uh, on the 27th of September of this year. He was born in the Netherlands in 1928. He was always a bit of a rebel. He was looking for adventure. At the age of 18, he joined the army and he headed off to serve in Indonesia. But he got injured and his knee was shattered. And there in the rehabilitation hospital, frustrated and angry, the only thing he had to pass the time was this Bible that his mom had stuffed at the bottom of his duffel bag. He hadn't taken any notice of it before. But there in the rehabilitation hospital, he pulls it out and he read the Bible. And he gave his life to Jesus. But when he got back to the Netherlands, he was wrestling with, God, what do you want me to do? And he writes this about a conversation he had. What is it, Lord, he said. What am I holding back? What am I using as an excuse for not serving you in whatever you want me to do? And there by the canal, he was in the Netherlands, I found my answer. My yes to God had always been a yes but. Yes but I'm not educated. Yes but I'm now lame. With the next breath, I said yes. I said it in a brand new way, without qualification. I'll go, Lord, whenever, wherever, however you want me, I'll go. Brother Andrew had no idea how far that would take him. He uh, responded to an advert uh, to go and visit communist Poland. He set off with a suitcase full of Christian tracts 
And while he was there, he made contact with a small church who, who showed him what life was like living under constant surveillance in a place where the Christians had no freedom to worship and were desperate to have Bibles. And so began a lifetime's work of smuggling Bibles into the most dangerous places, into places where to be found with a Bible, you would be arrested and put into prison. He smuggled thousands of illegal Bibles into the former Czechoslovakia, into Yugoslavia, Hungary and East Germany, into Russia and Romania. Then in 1965, he started to smuggle Bibles into China. He founded Open Doors. As he would drive across the border, he would pray, Lord, make that eyes blind to the Bibles I've hidden all around this car. Open Doors began with one man, and they now support persecuted Christians in over 70 countries around the world. We're not all called to be Brother Andrews. And if you want to hear more of his story, his book that he read, he published called God Smuggler, is a great book. We're not all called to smuggle Bibles, but we're called to live by faith. For those persecuted Christians around the world, that is a choice of life and death. For you and me, it might make situations difficult and challenging and walking into work difficult, but, but we are called to live lives of faith. We are called to persevere. And you know, everything in me wants to go into chapter 12, but Lizzie gets the joy of that in two weeks' time. Because in chapter 12, we see this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, saying, do not give up. Do not give up, because this is worth everything. Our faith in Jesus is worth more than anything. Fix your eyes on the one who has died for you, who has raised a new life for you, who prays for you, who is cheering you on in faith, and who will return one day. And our faith will be made perfect. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.